Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The show you're about to listen to was originally a live-streamed actual play on twitch.tv slash unmadegaming. Arise, minions, and welcome to this Unmade Gaming production. Join us on our adventures as we take a jump to the left, a step to the right, and time warp beyond the veil to find out exactly what happens when you take the path less traveled. In this original Tales from the Loop actual play, Atari Twilight, Age of Always. Oh, thank you very much, my friend. I am Greg Grimjack 21502. I will be your game master this afternoon. Um, but before we get into the adventure proper as we play Tales from the Loop from Free League's uh, wonderful system, I would like to introduce you all or reintroduce you all to the wonderful cast that is surrounding me. I'm going to ask them the following. Who are you? Who are you playing? And a question uh, in the vein of my good friend Trooper. Uh, there's just so much to learn at the beginning of a game. And so the question that I will ask you all is this. Meta knowledge versus narrative knowledge or player knowledge. So I will ask this question. What is one thing that either your character has forgotten or never knew that perhaps you, the player knows? What is that one thing that you wish your character could either remember or just actually have knowledge of? That one bit of information that might be able to turn the tide, that might be able to get their character over that arc hump where you want to take them. What is that one thing, that bit of precious, that little bit of knowledge that if shared with the character could change everything? And so I'll start with Chris. Chris, who are you? Who are you playing? And your question. Uh I'm Chris A.K. Necro, and I am playing Ricky Lewis. Ricky Lewis is the class jock, um, and I can't think of anything that he needs to know other than maybe who's causing the meddling. Well, that's the the long-term goal. That's a, a cop-out answer, though. Um, I, I think, really, who Randall Flagg truly is. The true nature of Randall Flagg is an absolute... That's a completely valid bit of information that could, in fact, change the tide of everything. Fantastic. I will then jump down to Melissa. Melissa, who are you? Who will you be playing? And the same question posed to Chris. Hi, y'all. Hi, Greg. Um, I'm Melissa, and I'm playing Heather Jones, who is uh, the weirdo. that's a really good question, and I'm going to cheat a little bit because we were having some back and forth uh, in our private chat about what's meta-knowledge versus what's not meta-knowledge, what we know, uh, just yesterday. And I think there is a critical thing that the Keystones don't know, and that is, um, what is the what is the nature of how the magnetrine effect impacts 
uh, adults and also um, how that can be um, uh, impacted by the use of crystals. We don't know those things at all. And it seems like uh, Randall Flagg right now is suffering from some memory loss. So uh, that could have some major impact to the Keystones right now. And yet they don't really have the knowledge in order to address it. Correct. Correct. Okay. Very good. Yeah. And last but certainly not least, G, who are you playing? And the same question as before. Hi, I'm G, the friendly neighborhood lightning invoker, and I'm playing Scarlet Blake today. She is another class athlete. And um, I don't know if this this really affects uh, Scarlet herself, but G wants to know why JD got the ring. That's my question. An excellent question, and one perhaps that will be answered at some point. Um, but with that being said, my friends, as mentioned before, this is Atari Twilight, Age of Always. This is a story told about the 80s that never was. Uh, but instead of looking upon pop culture as the ethereal Olympus, where we have music and movies and TV that is out of reach from us here in Atari Twilight, those mythic figures of pop culture, those incredible musician bards, they live and walk among the characters, Optimus Prime, Skeletor, anybody that you can think from cartoon or movies or books of the 80s, they live, they breathe, and they exist in Atari Twilight. In this segment of our long-running show, Age of Always, we are now in the Narnia Neverland, the uh, Wonderland aspect of everything. This is when a Bastion goes to Fantasia. This is away from the world in which our characters were born and raised and now exist in a world of fantasy that is similar to their own, but holds many different changes, many, many swerves, many variations upon the theme and with that my friends we begin the age of always calls us can you hear it it sings a song from our youth one that we loved but one that we have long long since forgotten still it sings calling us again to a world of adventure calling us to return to our friends ricky heather and scarlet jd one of the founding members of the keystones has gone his own way for his own reasons but all is not lost. Hope comes in many shapes and many sizes. Van Halen, their fateful bandmate is there. The cowardly lion, whom Randall Flagg calls Big Purr, stands beside them. And of course, Randall Flagg, villain, wizard, knight, teacher, all of the above. They are all there, right where we left them. And so the forgotten song is remembered word by word, line by line. The memory of the tune forms. It's time for us to sing our way back to the age of always. So lift your eyes and your voice for today. Today with our friends, we sing a song of forgotten youth. Because today, at least for me, today is a fine day. Welcome again, one and all, to Age of Atari Twilight, the age of always, episode five, Flag of Our Fathers. And my friends, if we could start this off, please go to your Spotify playlist and track number one by the Talking Heads, Road to nowhere. Just put that on in the background. With the specter of Roland the Gunslinger reawakened by the Hermit Donovan, the Keystones fought to save all of their party from the forces inside the Age of Always. 
Their companion and bandmate Van Halen used her powers to keep a mysterious blue fog at bay, a fog that had presumably already put their mentor, Randall Flagg, a.k.a. Jackie Emrock, to sleep. Ricky blindly fired an arrow at their hidden attacker, scoring a hit. And in his own moment of bravery, Lion rushed into the forest to confront their attacker, but was instead captured. Instead of an escape along Eternity Road, the black-topped artery winding its way through the Age of Always, the Keystones elected to go after Donovan to reacquire Lion. After a brief discussion, Scarlet and Heather set off to rescue Lion, while Ricky remained behind to guard their ensorcelled friends, Van Halen and Randall. One by one, each member of the Keystones embraced their destinies in the Age of Always and gained, and gained access to the disciplines they had been studying. Eternity Road itself embraced Ricky as its new guide. Heather discovered the keys to magic at the waterfall, and Scarlet took the oath and became a gunslinger in the glade known as the Perennial. Donovan was confronted and Lion rescued, but not without cost. From afar, the word was used to speed up time, allowing the gunslinger Roland a chance to catch up to Randall Flagg. The, the action seemingly cost Donovan his life. Reunited, the group debated leaving Flagg behind at his own suggestion, but ultimately, they all set forth on Eternity Road, guided by Ricky and bound for EC, Emerald City. As the skyline of Emerald City came into view, the Keystones recognized the center of the city as the loop from their hometown of Garrett. Well outside the city, but along the road, were wanted signs seeking the perpetrator of murder most foul, Randall Flagg. Jackie Emrock, Walter O'Dim, The Walking Dude, Jesse Davis. The picture on the poster displayed their absent friend, J.D. And that, my friends, is where we begin Atari Twilight, Age of Always, Episode 5, Flag of Our Fathers. And if you could go to your Spotify playlists, please go down one track to Paradise City by Guns N' Roses and let that play in the background for me. My friends, you are looking across the way at the great metropolis known as Emerald City. Emerald City is vast, but it is not the Emerald City of the movie that you remember. It is predominantly green, but it has elements of gray and white and gold that are splashed along its skyline. The architecture that you see, even from this distance, speaks of dozens of styles. Some, if you are a fan of such things or your, your child is a fan of such things, would recognize them from across the globe. Uh, elements of Southeast Asian architecture and uh, indigenous people architecture as far as just the, the, the artwork that you see displayed along certain sides of the, the closest facing buildings. Um, it seems to be everything at once but you are still a ways off your feet are still firmly planted on eternity road and as you stand looking at the poster displaying the wanted criminal of murders most foul and the face of jd staring back at you it is at this point i turn over the action to you all my friends the age of always awaits as does emerald city what do the keystones do Um, go ahead, Scarlet. Okay, thanks. Um, thanks, Scarlet. When they see the poster, 
uh, with JD's face on it. I think Scarlet like stops and she's like um, gawking at it. And does the picture look like what does the picture like? What does it look like in the picture? Roll me and investigate. That I can do. Do, 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 do. One success. It's definitely JD. It doesn't look like it doesn't look close to JD. It's JD. But for a moment, you think that you notice differences like you're you're. you're it's that is this really him? Is this somebody that looks you all have experienced people that might look like somebody else or, you know, uh, uh, similarities? It's definitely JD. But with that success, I'll tell you this. He looks a little older. I think she rips the poster off the wherever it's posted and she's holding it and she's like, what is this? <sighs> What's going on? And she shows everybody, even though they've already looked at it. What's going on? Ricky, Heather, when Scarlet pulls it down and looks at the poster, you all bear witness to the poster rematerializing along the placard in which it was placed. There's two copies now, one in Scarlet's hand and one on the placard. So back... A couple of five seconds before Scarlet shows the group the poster, I think, uh, you know, they all uh, as they come to a stop um, at the end of the uh, road, um, Heather takes a moment to take it in. um, And as her eyes land on the poster, um, they you know, her face fills with fear and there's probably like a moist glistening on her eyes. And she uh, glances back at the road uh, where, you know, they last saw JD. Um, and then she looks back up at the city. And um, when she does, she pulls her glasses down uh, to wipe her eyes and maybe also um, to remove the fog from the lenses. And um, as she does, she kind of blinks a moment and maybe finally now realizes what it actually means that she that anybody can see any distance in the age of always and uh sets her glasses down uh folds them and tucks them into a pocket um and with that she writes her shoulders again and uh she turns back on the group clear-eyed uh to see scarlet holding up the poster and she says well he seems to be in trouble but also that has Flag's name on it. Maybe we need to go somewhere else. And it's at this moment she glances over at the cowardly lion. How's he doing? Uh, almost the same time that you all realized. I mean, Ricky knew the destination from the beginning. Um, basically shared a bit of it, I think. It, it, was, it took moments. For you all, it only seems like a, a minute or two or three has passed since you walked onto Eternity Road that now you kind of quickly, you know, sped through like on a a super fast people mover along Eternity Road. And then all of a sudden, (laughs) Emerald City appears in Skyline as Ricky stopped and you were beside this wanted poster. But given now the time to react to the vision in front of them, Lion is curled up in a ball and trembling. Uh, Great pause with, you know, that dew claw like over the head, you know, uh, 
comically shaking if he wasn't such a ferocious looking beast. Um, and again, for those of you wondering, this is the cowardly lion of the books. That's an actual lion um, that walks on all fours, that looks very fearsome. But of course, as we all know, lacks the spine to back that up. But um, lion is shaking, trembling, paws overhead. And uh, one last question, Greg. Um, Heather's going to dart her eyes over at Flag. What, what are the tint of his glasses? The tint of his glasses? Mm -hmm. uh, a little bit of just tan. Curious. Just a little yeah. bit of tan. Mm -hmm. Okay, good. Just checking. Um, so she, uh, seeing Lion as as he is, she says, we, we, we've got to go, Ricky. We can't stay here. Not if you want Flag to live. And and Lion, he's he can't be here. Go where? The only place I know exists here. Okay, so here's another question I think that I asked earlier, but no, nobody remembered the answer. Uh, did the Keystones ever talk about the shared dream of the Age of Always? Like Greg nodding his head? Back in Twist of Fate? Yes. No, no. Back in uh, bonus episode two from 88. I'm sure they would have, though we didn't do it in game. I, I, I'm, I sh I'm sure we would have. I leave it up to you all. If you believe that you would have talked about it, then that's certainly something that could have transpired during the, the past and now. Go, go to the lamppost, Ricky. Do you remember the lamppost? Uh, I remember the lamppost, but I don't know where that is. Do you need to know I, where it is? Randall steps forward. He shrugs. If you all are concerned about, um, I'll stay out here with Lion. You all can go in and then learn what you need to learn and come back for us. I thought we all had to get off together. We can, but we just won't get back on when you all get on with Ricky. She looks so. Over. So we come back here when we're done. I hope <laughs> he smiles a bit. Um, gosh, this is happening so fast. We came here to get away from Roland to protect you. Uh, but I guess now we need to find out what's going on with JD. Why? And she kind of realizes that's kind of countered dicting what she's what she kind of was just doing and she's and she she looks back at the paper and she she is kind of like like breathing heavily like she's out of breath a little bit he's he's clearly doing something that he's he's impersonating roland or randall sorry <laughs> it's like why are all these names here? We don't know what he's doing and, and why we have, we have to remember what we're here for. What are we here for? And she turns and looks at Heather. We're here to save our home. Okay. So what do we do next? What do we do next? I don't know. And she looks back to flag. Well, he doesn't know either. He doesn't know. You're supposed and to know. He is supposed to know. And she glares I... at flag. 
I, and you can tell that he's visibly upset. You can actually see for a moment his chin trembles beneath the stubble there. I'm, I'm, we got to find out who's uh, manipulating everything. Um, yes. You're toying with us. Yes. Um, Roland's coming. Um, going uh, Emerald City. Uh, I, I, I don't know who's in charge anymore. Um, they're good people. They'll uh, and you both no role needed. Lion slowly like looks up between his paws at they're all good people, and then goes back to hiding. Go in there and um, see if you can find somebody uh, that can help, that can. You see a tear rolled out from underneath his glasses. I'm forgetting things. I, I don't know how much help I can be to y'all. He's useless. Well, what, what's it going to be? I don't, don't you, don't you lead this team? She gives Heather a look. Ricky shakes his head. He never said he was leading us. He said he was following. No, I didn't say Flag was leading this team. I said Scarlet. And she gives Heather a look. And she kind of, and she uh, takes the wanted poster and she crumples it up and throws it over her shoulder. It disappears before it hits the ground. Fine. Let's go into the city then. What else do you want to do? I don't know. And she and she glances back to Flag. What are you angry about, Scarlet? We're just supposed to save our home and then go home. Figure out who's pulling the strings, who's the puppet master, and we were supposed to, don't you remember? We were supposed to know what the good, the good things to do, the right things to do. How are we supposed to know when he doesn't remember? He doesn't tell us what the good things are. He told us that. We know what the good things are. And it seems to be to me one of the good things is finding JD and getting him out of whatever trouble he's in. She doesn't say anything. I think she just turns away and like takes a few steps away and like hands on hips and just like stares out at Emerald City. Uh, Flag would come forward to I, I'm assuming where Ricky and Heather are still in close proximity if, if Scarlet's walked forward um I'll I'll take care of Lion um I didn't I know I didn't mean for this to happen I y'all have to rely on yourselves um I trust all of y'all even JD Can't do it. Not anymore. 
Do you know if there's a place to hide here? I'm going to take him off the, the trail here to that. And he points, there's like a, some cypress trees that seem to be kind of over on the, uh, the hill leading up to, you know, distance here is very odd, but it looks like it's within like two or three miles of Emerald City. Um, we'll just, we'll hold up there and, you know, come back when you can. What's stopping you for getting us? You'll remember. He looks down at Lion. Heather's going to kneel down uh, to Lion um, um, and, you know, run her fingers through his mane until he looks up at her. He does, but he's just absolutely trembling, more so than you probably have ever experienced. It's almost like a spasm along his back where his mane is. Lion, I, um, I think it would be for the best if you look after flag for now and she leans closer to his ear and says he's kind of useless he doesn't know what's happening we need to keep him out of the city do you think you can keep him safe yeah yeah Heater. I, I can do it but, but be, be, be careful what's in there lion what, what what do we need to worry about Them that go in there, they change. They change? He just shakes his head with like the, the spasming and the mane kind of playing against one another for a moment, creating like an odd, like a ripple almost through him. What can we do so that we don't change? Um. I was told one time that you, you have to remember the face of your mother or the face of your father. That's yeah. what I done. I remembered my dad. Okay. Okay. Well, thank you. All right. You, uh, you're a brave lion. I know you can do this. Now, don't stray too far away. We need to find you when we get out. Okay. He just shakes his head again. Ricky's Van Halen has, yeah, real quick though. Van Halen's been standing off by herself. She was leading or like kind of trailing the team. Um, and she steps up when it looks like it's time to continue, but she's been noticeably quiet throughout this exchange. Uh, while Heather's uh, with Lion, Ricky looks to flag and says, is there anything we can get in the city to help you not forget? Is there anything we can do to help? Just get information, get, um, find somebody, um, point us in the right path. Um, yeah. R Ricky. Remember your dad when you're in there, okay? I'll never forget him. Ricky puts out his hand to shake his hand. He grabs it. And um, you've actually clasped hands with Randall before, and he has a very powerful handshake. But in this one, there is a noticeable sense of 
almost like somebody clutching onto a life raft. There's a desperation in the handshake. Good boy. Uh, he says, Mr. Amrock, we'll do what we can. And he turns to BH. Can you guide us in the city? I've never been, but I, I've heard things. I can, yes. But you know the people? I know of them. My, my mother came here, and this is where I can. You know and she, yeah, she pulls herself up, you know, kind of straightens her spine. I, I can, yes. Thank you. Mr. Mark will do what we can. And Ricky turns to, to ready himself to leave. Um, with a couple, you know, uh, step on and step off, you're able to kind of deposit them. And then I'm assuming that the uh, keystones take to the road again, leaving Randall and Lion along the side. And as Lion begins to guide Randall to that, the sycamores that are over in the area, um, again, without the need. Well, no, you know what? I'm going to make you do it. Roll and investigate, everybody. One success. One for Scarlet. Scarlet, Heather, as they're walking off, you both hear Blag look down at Lion and say, Who's Mr. Emrock? And they walk off. My friends. Well, they. Go ahead. Uh, before they depart, Ricky just turns to Heather and says, didn't be mean to him. I know you don't like him, but not nice to call him useless. I'm just saying the facts, Ricky. I don't have to be nice to someone who has been very mean to me and hasn't yet apologized for it. Does he know he's been mean? He did once. I don't know what's going on with him now. Ricky looks to the sky and says, probably more meddling. What do you do, my friends? You can stay here as long as you like. He's not a good man, Ricky. I I understand. I believe you. I... I agree we should do the right thing by people. And you made the right decision about not letting him die back there. You, you, you really did. But just because he's just because you do the right thing doesn't mean that you should trust him. Doesn't mean that you should treat him like a true partner here. I feel that it should at least give him the opportunity to try and do better. He can. There's nothing that's preventing him from doing better, but I'm holding him accountable for what he's done so far. I don't see anybody else doing that. And, he, I, and it's not I like he is just, anything. it's not like he's harmless. He's murdered people. He's killed them. He's harassed people. He's destroyed their lives. Many, many countless lives, Ricky. The path that JD seems to be on. We don't know that. None of us have talked to him yet. His photo. We don't it know. It might what's be happened. Randall's names, but it's JD's picture. He's been How? seen doing something. You know, both Lion 
and Flag have both said that the city is trouble. Just because his name is on a wanted poster doesn't mean he's not the hero here. You two are so quick to jump away from JD's defense. What happened to loyalty? Not, not jumping away from his defense. I'm just saying, if JD has done the things that it says in this poster, does he not deserve an opportunity to try and explain himself? To try and right any wrongs if he has done anything? We don't know yet if he's done anything. But if he has done something wrong, he should absolutely write them, as should Flag. I think he's trying. Do you? I mean... I haven't seen it. Has he not tried to bring people here, at least us, to fix a problem that no one else seems to care about? R Ricky, someone I'm sorry. Someone came into our world and just had a war in our city. Did, did no you miss cared. it? Did you miss it, R Ricky? He killed people bringing them here. He murdered them. Where? Donovan died. Countless people, he said. He couldn't even remember the number of kids that he has brought here and died. Roland killed Donovan with that magic of his. Calling on the word, apparently. Donovan. Apparently, the word, you can do whatever the, the hell you want with it good or bad and the loyalty where's jd's loyalty he left us and she's scarlet. still she's, she's her back is still facing them and she's still standing there scarlet do you have any idea why you're angry do you know why you're angry you know you know back there when we were running away from from flag's house you hurt me, Scarlet. The way you talked to me before you took my hand. You haven't really been yourself. Back. You haven't really been who you are all this time since we've been here. And you were mad, so mad when we left. I know mad. that you wish that you had never come here. And I know that you wish you could go back. But you have to realize that the reason that you're mad at JD isn't because he left. It's because you're still here and you're stuck with us. That's why you're mad. Stuck with you. And, she, and she's turned back around. I don't think I'm stuck with anybody. You're my friends. Well, then you maybe you should treat us like why, that. You're the reason why I'm here. <laughs> and I don't mean that. I don't mean that in a bad way. Well, then maybe you shouldn't be treating me like such a burden. A burden. I don't think you're a burden, Heather. You're my friend. Van Halen moves up behind Ricky. Ricky, stop them. Fighting isn't going to help. If, if the problem that this place causes, and we're close enough to the city, maybe it's not making us think clearly already, driving a wedge between us already. We haven't even reached the place. This place, Ricky, 
It's not this place. Emerald City. It's not this place. That's not what's causing this. The problem is both of you have turned on JD and you are offering flag all of the empathy that you should be giving to JD. I'm not That's turning my problem. back on JD. I'm not turning my back on JD. I'm just Why? saying, if you're going to give one person an opportunity, you should give two. I think there's a difference between what JD has done, walk away from us, and what flag has done. There are degrees, Ricky. You can't be if as trusting as you are. Someone's trying to their wrongs. They give someone an opportunity to prove themselves. They don't judge them based on things I've heard from someone else. I, I want to make the judgment on my own. Fine, fine then. I haven't seen Flag do anything but bring us here. You haven't seen Flag do anything except bring us here. Maybe you could believe me before. about what he has done. Maybe you could believe me. But what did he actually do? He tried to he tried to hold you back at Castle Grayskull. And then weirdly moved in next door, which still don't know why. Never really explained that. But he didn't do anything. He threatened me, Ricky. He bullied me, Ricky. He terrorized oh. me. I was I was afraid. I was afraid all the time. And you know what? Just because we're on some adventure, it doesn't mean that bullying is okay. And sometimes, you know what I think? I think you think that just because everyone bullied me, that it's okay that Flag bullied me too. Not okay. Not okay, but it's not also not okay to bully him. I am not bullying him, and that is not fair of you to say. To, to call if I expect him useless because he's losing his memory, he's lost. Everything that made him who he was. So He's what do you want me to himself. do? Do you want me to give him an apology right now, Ricky? Is that what you want? No. What no, do you I'm want then? Shouldn't treat him like he's no one and he's nothing. He should apologize. But if he doesn't know who he is or what he did wrong, and he apologize for things he doesn't know he did. He didn't remember. Doesn't know anyone in the city that he's been to doesn't remember. Like he, he was struggling to remember what was in the city. He's been here, he's lived his whole life here, and he can't remember that. I, I don't think he remembers what he did. Yeah, he should pay for whatever crimes he's done. But... I think he should be given an opportunity to write them. And that's what we are here to do, is to hold him accountable for what he does. That is the whole reason he's not doing this on his own, because he messed it up before. I'm going to say one last thing, and then I'm done with this conversation. He's not owed my empathy. He is not owed that. And you are a fool if you trust him. And now I'm done. And Scarlet just runs her hand through her hair, 
and heaves a really big sigh. Friends, go to your Spotify playlist and queue up track number five. My friends, as the wind whips across these poppy-filled plains in front of Emerald City, and as each of the keystones either face one another's back or different points of the compass, what do you do? Well, let's go. Ricky turns towards Emerald City. Garla just walks up next to them, slightly behind. So perhaps for the first time, walking together, but decidedly apart, the Keystones charge towards Emerald City with the lovely dirge-esque qualities of Pat Benatar's Love is a Battlefield playing. You all move forward to Emerald City. And as I explained, it's not this dominating green skyline. There are definitely hues of green, but gold and silver white. Um, When you walk inside, it is less fantastical and more practical, if that makes a sense. There's nothing that you look at, whether it be a building or a person, that couldn't exist in your world. Do you know there's there's no magical creatures, you know, like lion. There's there's no alien type of creatures or or uh, completely unsupported architecture. You know, everything seems realistic. Um, but it still maintains this like everything in the age of always, it maintains this level of magic. Um, and because of that, anybody among the keystones who has been in a city before would know that it certainly doesn't smell like pine cedar with hints of tobacco. Um, It certainly isn't clean. The citizenry, while possibly nice with certain cities you visit, aren't what anyone would define as universally pleasant. But that's what you see here when you walk into Emerald City. There's no door you go through. There's no walls to breach. There are no guards asking you why you have come into the city. Eternity Road moves directly into the city and then ends. It looks like it would continue as a thoroughfare through the city, but gone is the black asphalt. Gone is the the dotted yellow line. It simply curves into the ground and becomes the bricks and cobblestones of Emerald City. As you go ahead. Oh, I thought somebody said something. Sorry. Um, As you walk into the city, you are greeted with different, uh, uh, you know, obviously there's residential places, but there's also storefronts that that seem like they would be at home in Garrett. You see Bristol's timepieces and Amir Laudry's House of Music and the Given Brothers Market. Um, All of these things seem like. I mean, whether it's disappointing or not, it's sort of less magical than it maybe should be. You know, you don't look around and they're. There aren't any elements of magic and everybody's not wearing a uniform, you know, 
um, it's sort of difficult to divorce what you're seeing from the the movie that, you know, really was a dominant force, you know, once a year shown on TV during the 80s. And, um, you know, part of the, the the pop culture, you know, consciousness of the 80s. But as you look around, you know, it's just a city that you are moving through. But if you'll go to your Spotify playlist and cue up track number four for me. When you all are moving through, the citizenry stops and they all look up and start clapping and cheering. And as you all kind of meet their gaze, no role required here, you see three dots in the sky that seem to be flying. I will allow investigation if anybody wants to try to make these out. Even at the distance they are, it seems like the age isn't giving you the 2020 that you would have expected. One for Scarlet. One for Heather. Ricky, you can see what I described. You see like these three dots that are in the air, but um, Scarlet and Heather, when you look up, you see that these three dots are kind of helixing among themselves, kind of dipping and diving and almost like in a pattern. And with that investigative role, even from this distance, you can hear laughter, you know, kind of trickling down from the sky. And while you can't make out any exact features of these three, two of them are riding broomsticks. And you see them kind of zip into the skyline as everybody, all the Aussians, cheer. Well, that's not something I ever thought I'd see. And as it sort of dims down and as like the, there's now a crowd that kind of spilled out of the shops, out of the, the timepieces shop and out of the house of music and out of the market. And as the crowd kind of gathers and looks around and as everybody looks up at the, the now departing dots that are in the air, Ricky Van Halen and Heather, Scarlet is gone. The crowd bustles around and kind of pushes a few of you. So you have to kind of return your gaze to the earth. And as you scan, there's Ricky, there's Heather, there's Van Halen. Scarlet is not there. Um, do you see her? Uh, Ricky's just spinning, looking everywhere. Scarlet? You may roll me another investigate now that you all are kind of aware of the situation. One for Ricky. One for me, too. You both look around, but a couple times you think you see her kind of disappearing into the crowd. But as soon as people pass, you don't see your friend. We are in extended trouble. And I'm going to ask the two of you. Here are the stakes that are currently at play for this element of extended trouble. I want you to, let me see, what exactly are we looking at here? Boop, 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 boop. You're going to need, if you fail, you lose Scarlet. 
If you partially succeed, you're on the trail. If you succeed, you'll catch sight. You need four successes. You each get one roll. I know that you already have conditions, and some people have used pride. Explain to me what you would like to use, and I will tell you whether or not you may roll it. But I will let you know, my friends, that this one is uh, important. Uh, Ricky is going to find something like a lamppost that he can jump up onto and get as high as he can to see over any crowds, uh, to, to get as much height as he can without necessarily scaling a building, uh, to try and see if he can crack out where Scarlet's gone. And I'd like to use move for that, Greg. I'll take it. Also, before you all individually roll, I will allow you to, I will take that, but uh, before you all uh, go any further, if someone wants to roll a lead, that person could then, if successful, give extra dice to the other, not themselves. Up to you all, if you think that's something that this group is currently able to do. Ricky definitely can't in this situation. Uh, Heather will do it. This doesn't she count will. as your role. This is this is a separate thing. Yeah, Heather will will do it. Um, as she says, um, do you see her? Where did she go? She'll uh, look over at Van Halen and say. Um, she'll look over at Heather and say, um, "I'm sorry, Van Halen," and say, um, "Van Halen." Check the crowds and she'll say, Ricky, can you get up high? And um, then Heather, and that's when we'll roll lead. Uh, but we got zero successes. And I think that that would probably be where this would uh, be at this particular moment. Uh, there's leading requires camaraderie. Mm. And I'm not real sure that exists in ample supply at this moment. For as much as Someone Heather might be, yeah, for as much as Heather might be giving instructions, people have to be willing to listen to her. Um, so uh, Heather, what she's going to do is she is going to begin to reach uh, or walk through the crowds, uh, searching around. And at the same time, she'll be uh, looking people in the eye and she'll be saying, did you see my friend? Have you seen my friend? She she looks like this and she'll describe Scarlet. Uh, and so I am going to roll empathize. Absolutely. I'll take it. One. So as it stands right now with three successes, one of the people, the, one of the Aussians that you kind of pulled to the side, uh, you know, an older gentleman um, looks at you and contact when you pull this person to the side. Two successes. When you kind of, you know, gently kind of tug on the sleeve of one of the Aussians who's still kind of looking up, like hoping to maybe catch one last glimpse of these flyers. Um, he turns around and you stare into the face of Herb Seville, the man known as Sarge and Garrett. Oh, hey, young lady, how can I help you? 
Um, uh, I, I, I think I'm looking for my friend Scarlett. Have you seen her? And uh, she'll she'll describe what she looked like. Um, well, she's she's got a blonde hair and uh, the most beautiful face, and um, she she's wearing this uh, puffy jacket. Puffy jacket. I saw a puffy jacket go that way, and he points down one of the side streets that leads off of the main thoroughfare. Are you okay, darling? I do. I know you. I don't think so. You a friend of one of my grandkids? Um, maybe. Who 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 are your grandkids? Um. Well, let's see. If it's one of Ben's boys, then that's going to be Howie or Frederick. Um. Yeah, Howie or Frederick? How Howie or no? I I don't know. I'm going to go follow my friend. Um, it's nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. Uh, and uh, Heather will head down uh, in the direction that he pointed. Uh, Ricky, I'm assuming that you're following. Okay. Yeah, you will. So as you all move through in the streets of Emerald City, uh, well, not like New York at midday or anything like that. I mean, there are a lot of people here and the kind of the the foreign nature of the streets and the way that things are kind of laid off. um, It's easy enough to follow a street, but you're quickly given numerous, you know, an alley here to keep going straight to the right. What the role will give you here is this is taking a little time for you all to, again, Ricky climbs up a lamppost. Heather begins to ask other people. Um, and you kind of get led with both of those attributes in the general direction that you believe Scarlet to go. And because you have a partial success there, I'm not going to lie and say you're not going in the right direction. You are. You are heading in the vicinity of Scarlet. But let's go ahead and cut over to Scarlet. We retcon a few minutes ago before, you know, just as everybody looks up into the air and Scarlett, you look up into the air and you see everybody look up. You see Ricky and Van Halen and Heather. Everyone looks to the sky. The entire populace kind of stops and looks up at this moment of pure, perfect distraction. What do you do? I don't think she really sees it as a distraction as they've been moving through the city and just every everything around her, like all the people, she's her eyes are darting back and forth. She's looking at the shops. She kind of knocks into somebody and she's and she just like kind of starts and keeps walking. And for some reason, she just she feels like she's been climbing up a hill. Like she's starting to like breathe heavily and just she she's like sweating and she feels like all the people are just like crowding into her and she just feels like she feels like she's trapped and then when everyone starts looking up and like oh everyone's crying like crying out and everyone starts surging out of the buildings like you described she starts getting like she looks up and, you know, when you're walking and you look into the sky, you kind of like lose your balance and she gets knocked. She gets knocked around and she she just feels like she's vibrating. And then she just books it. 
She doesn't look where she's going. She just turns and she's gone down a side street. And she is breathing heavily and she's pushing past people and they're knocking into her and she's trying to catch her breath. And it's like, she's been running up, up a set of stairs forever. And she, she pushes into somebody. They kind of like, Oh, what are you doing? She, they kind of push her back. And when she looks at, she, when she looks at this person, she sees Donovan's face and those milky dead eyes. And she shrieks and she stumbles and she turns down another alley and she keeps going. And she promised she would take him with her, that they wouldn't leave him behind. And that's exactly what they did. And JD left them. And was this his plan the whole time? Like it was one, it was, he, it was his idea to, to leave Garrett. And then within a week, he's, he's gone. And he, whatever he did to do whatever he did, he's the one who he stole the jar and that released Roland and Roland came after us. And then VH got hurt and then Lion got hurt and Heather doesn't care if flag lives or dies. She would have left him behind, but like he's the adult and we're supposed to be working together to fix Garrett and like, I don't even like Heather, but Heather doesn't need me anymore. But all of a sudden she's a burden, but she doesn't need me. Like, and then she turns and she runs and her vision is like black along the outside and she's gasping for breath. And it's like, if I can't, I'm supposed to be their leader, but if I lead them, we'll lose. And if I can't be the perfect leader, we're going to lose. And if I can't be the perfect leader, I'm never going to get home and I'm never going to see Kyle and I'm never going to see Ben. And then I'm going to die. And then she turns like down an alley and she like stumbles over her own feet and she like lands on like a stoop of some kind of back door. And she's like, <gasps> and her chest hurts. And she's like, oh my God, I could have died. I'm going to die here. I'm going to die here. And she is full on ugly crying and she can't breathe and her chest hurts like it's never hurt before. And then she feels like she's running through the field with the Alta robot chasing her. And she can hear like the, the, the servos whirling behind her of its footsteps getting closer. And she's like, I can't stop. I can't stop. I can't breathe. I can't breathe. And she feels like she's going to suffocate. And then she has a flash of JD giving her a hug that day on the road. And he says, I'm scared too. And then she's just sitting there crying, trying to breathe. The air doesn't come any easier. And as you're sitting there in this completely foreign city, on this stoop just inside an alleyway, separated from your friends, truly separated from JD, you see a hand reach down in front of you, a hand that seems to be offering support. 
You're muted. Hey, kid, what do you got going on? She scr- she scrambles backwards. <laughs> and she's obviously ugly crying and she doesn't say anything. You tore like a bat out of hell into this uh, alley here. What's uh? You didn't get freaked out by the the sky, right? And she she looks up at you. You're not. You're not really here. You're not here. <laughs> I, uh. All right. Well, that's you know kind of rude. Um. Do you, do you need to go somewhere? You need a ride? She shakes her head. Are you lost? There's a lot of lost people in EC these days, but uh, I can probably give you a lift. I can probably give you directions. She sniffs and like mm. frantically wipes at her face and she like turns away. I just want to be left alone. Well, it's kind of a city. Uh, there's kind of a lot of people here, so it's pretty hard to be like fully. Do you have a house? Can I bring you? You, you know where you? Where, where are you from? Garrett, and she says it really quietly. Garrett, is that a person? Place? Just a common noun? It's my home. So it's a place. That's not here. Um, Did you you get here alone? She shakes her head and she kind of pulls her knees up to her. um, Like she's sitting on like a a stoop. So she and she pulls her knees up and she's like muttering something under her breath. Like her lips are moving like she's repeating something over and over. Are you are your parents around? Like full on like like crocodile tear and she shakes her head. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll tell you what. Uh and he moves over next to the, the the stairs on the stoop you're sitting on and probably like a foot, foot and a half away, just sort of uh plops down uh and assumes the same sort of position, obviously not as tightly knees to chest. Um uh and you realize like by how he's sitting, uh he's several inches taller uh, than you. Uh, and he just sort of sits over there and goes, so what, uh, you're doing a lot of mostly hyperventilating. I think there were a handful of words in there. Are you, you want to talk through it? I'm not going to die. I'm not going to die. I mean, not here, not in Emerald City. It's pretty safe. Also, that's a weird thing to say for a a, a teenager. You, are you often being murder being attempted on you? What what's are you? You have an illness. What's happening? Can't talk about it. Oh, it's a secret illness. Is it an assassin? No. Is it lupus? No. Oh, all right. Well. She looks at Mitch. Looking pretty hard there. Well, uh, does, uh, does it look Mike, like the Mitch she knows? I was going to say, Mike, why don't you describe 
what you look like. Perfect. Um, It looks enough like the Mitch, you know, for you to make that assumption. Uh, He looks like he is a dozen, you know, 10 years or so older. Um, He is uh, not wearing a sleeveless T-shirt, which you have accustomed to seeing. Uh, He is wearing a flannel. But you notice that like when he lifts his arm, there is still a sleeveless T-shirt underneath uh, the flannel that he's wearing. he has a little bit of uh, five o'clock shadow uh, sort of covering the face. Um, you note that his hair is uh, just as long, if not slightly longer. It sort of curls and waves down to his shoulders. Uh, and he looks older. He looks aged. He does not look like the same Mitch you saw um, on either the missing posters or uh, in person that one day. Uh, so he looks like a slightly older, slightly different, maybe Emerald City native. Yeah, she doesn't say anything. She just looks him up and down. You all right? I don't think so. All right. Uh, I'll tell you what. Let's get out of this uh, alley. Just in general, doesn't seem to be a safe idea to hang out in alleys. I don't know anyone that's uh, cool that hangs out in alleys. So, uh, And he stands up and sort of offers a hand. Come on, let's uh, let's head back at least to the main road. She raises a hand and it's shaking. And when she clasps his hand, her hand is sweaty. Uh, his <laughs> hand is real. Uh, and he, he leads you out towards the main street. Uh, you look like you were running from something. Is someone chasing you? Are you trying to get to... You seem lost at a, at a minimum. She looks around. She does. She and she. She doesn't say it, but yeah, she knows that she doesn't know where she is. Um, I've never been here before, and she and she's kind of dragging behind him, like she. He feels like he's like pulling a weight with him. Got it. Got it. Okay. So first timer. How'd you get here? Um. The road. Oh, we got a walker. I'm I'm not I'm my friend. Oh, so you're not alone. All right, let's let's find your friends. Uh, and he's going to head out towards like the main city square looking for these alleged uh, these alleged friends uh trying to assist you in that. As the two of you begin to move off, uh, kind of retracing the the flight of Scarlet, um, I'm giving this one to Scarlet for free. As you emerge from the alleyway and you kind of reorient yourself, you were when you were running before, as you described, you were it was just flight. It wasn't observing anything. It was just yeah. pushing through the crowd, getting wherever, getting away from here to there to wherever it could be. But when you're led out. Um, you look around and just across from the alley, you see the Emerald City Fire Brigade. And you see a tall man with salt and pepper hair as he's loading up one of the open wagons with can only be must be empty barrels of some kind as he's lifting them up and putting them down. And he pulls a handkerchief out of the back and wipes it across his neck. And when he looks over, you see the face of your father. And instead of the normal way that he wears his mustache, it is extended down 
and up into his uh, sideburns as these big kind of like mutton chop looking things that are on the side of his face. And you see Dean Blake looking, you know, kind of back at you in a way. And you remember yourself saying the code. If you do these things wrong as a gunslinger, you have forgotten the face of your father. And for a moment, you see this somewhat comical face of Dean Blake. But as the crowd moves in front, you realize whenever it passes by again that while that same mutton chop mustache combo exists, it's not your dad. I think she freezes for a moment as she's staring at him. but doesn't let go of Mitch's hand. And then he can feel her shaking. He gives a little tug, uh, like a, like a, let's go, come on. Uh, and then she'll walk forward. Hey, I didn't, uh, sorry, you know, the, the whole hyperventilating and crying thing, um, uh, that was, shook me. I, I didn't introduce myself. My name's Casey. Um, you are... Scarlet. Cool, cool. Okay. Uh, yeah, let's go. Let's go this way. What are your friends? You, you know what? Your friends have names. Where were they? Uh, I don't. I don't know. Um, she she looks around. I don't. I don't know which way I went. But there was um, a shop with. Um dresses in the window and, and red shoes dresses red shoes um okay well i mean there's a few you know what i i have an idea hold on hold on one second uh wait, left right left right right uh and he reaches into his jacket and pulls out something uh that is roughly the size of like a cell phone uh and he says hey i got an idea this is gonna be pretty cool um and he hits a few buttons on it and you see something like pop out of the top and sort of extend out and he says uh if you don't mind can i just i'm just gonna just prick your finger just like a second it feels like a like a thorn um it's it's not it's not dangerous she and, he, hand up. and he places it out and almost like an insulin, uh, it sort of pricks your finger and you see like a little globule of blood and the things also oh. light up and whir and buzz and twist. And he goes, OK, all right. And I think I think if your friends are from the same place as you and he starts moving around like he has some sort of compass locator uh, until it's like and he's like, I think looks, this way. She looks at it as you're using it. That's pretty cool, right? I guess so. My it's called, friend Heather would like it. It's called a, a locator. I'm still workshopping the name. Um, not one of my best, uh, but it locates people. Uh, as long as you have some sort of tie to them, I can usually find out uh, where people go. So a very literal name. Yeah, I've, you know, you the trick is you start at the most obvious and then you sort of expand on it from there. Um, so I just made this. Uh, so you're the first time I've used it. Um, so hopefully this works uh, and we're not just wandering in circles uh, or we don't find Why are like you a, helping me? We're doppelganger. I don't know. You were crying in an alleyway and you just sort of ran by me like a night terror. So I figured you were either lost or there was an assassin. Which I was kind of hoping for. I thought that would be pretty cool. 
but uh she she looks around and then to almost make him seem like that could be possible you there's no like giant robots around here is there well i didn't say that you have you afraid of giant robots you have a giant robophobia that sounds right she sniffs and like crosses her arms i'm not afraid I believe that. Uh, okay, uh, this way. Uh, and he holds up this device. And she just slowly follows behind him. See, it's pretty simple here. Everything sort of runs in concentric circles. It's like a, it's like a, a spiral just sort of came in here. Uh, anyway, this way. And he's going to try to follow this back to Ricky and Heather. And as the two of you kind of enter into the the bustling metropolis that is emerald city we take that spiral and spin back a couple uh helixes until we rest to heather and ricky and van halen who are in the middle of this pursuit you know ricky you're just climbing down from another lamppost as you point in a direction of people that seem to kind of you know be milling about pointing in one direction as if something has just passed that way you know giving you kind of these landmarks as you move through. But as soon as your boots kind of touch the ground, Ricky, and you look around, both you and Heather see a cart with a cage on the back um, being drawn by a horse that seems to be shifting colors. And inside the cage are lion and flag. You see several guards. Now, these guards are dressed in almost uniform green, uh, different shades of green, but it seems to be. And they're uh, definitely not uniforms as much as it's armor. You see that there's plating across the front. There are pauldrons on the shoulders, albeit smaller ones. Um, there seems to be forearm protection uh, pads over the thighs. It, it has a sort of a sci-fi look to it, but there's also long elements, almost like a half kilt coming down, uh, kind of uh, obscuring the left leg of each of the guards. And they are moving through the center, towards the center of the city. And you can see um, Randall's hurt. You can see that he has something wrapped around his head. His hat is off. Uh, blood has soaked through it. His glasses are off. Um, his denim jacket has been torn from him. Uh, and you can see that from this distance, Lion is again just covering his head with his paws and trembling to the point where the entire cart is <laughs> as it's moving along the, the road. Um. Heather's uh, face as she looks at the cart is uh, is familiar, a f familiar uh, look of fear and terror. But then uh, she slowly turns back to Ricky and that look turns to fury. And she says, I told you, I told you we needed to leave here. When are you guys going to listen to me? And then she um, runs forward to the cart. Ricky, what do you do, my friend? Uh, Ricky tag, takes Van Halen's hand and starts to walk towards that cart. 
sort of leading her that direction. She brings her up alongside him and says, you know what they're taking them? It looks like to the city center, to the, the palace. Um, and she stops you. Whether you want to stop or not, the strength in Van Halen, uh, you would have to make a roll to escape it. You absolutely can. I'm just saying that there is so much strength to stop you. You're going to have to make a roll. Do you or do you allow her to stop you? If she stops dead in her tracks, Ricky would stop. She does. And she does not look at you. She's staring straight ahead at Randall, at Lion, basically taking in everything that's inside of her like window, her, her you know, uh, firing uh, uh, window. And she says, do not forget your father, Ricky. Do you understand? He nods. He tips his hat a bit um, with his free hand. I won't forget him. Um, and she can, she's muttering under her breath, you know, remember the face of your father. Remember the face of your father. And she will kind of, whether or not Ricky wants to run with her, you can. But she's running to try to catch up to Heather before Heather makes it in this progression to do the same. Um, we're going to say that she does catch up to you, Heather. Uh, and you feel a hand on your shoulder that you recognize as Van Halen's. She's going to try to stop you. Do you allow her to? No, I think that in the same way that she uh, pulled away from Lion when Van Halen was in trouble, she'll do the same thing. That is, she'll glance back briefly uh, and say, stop. And then she will continue to rush forward. Roll me and investigate. Or I'll take empathize because it's sort of the same thing here. Well, I'm already on investigate. Same, <laughs> same score, so I think it'll be all right. Gotcha, gotcha. One success. Just as you pull away and your Heather's focus is still straight ahead on Lion, on, on the, the cart and everything, you hear over your shoulder this, this whisper drifts to you and, and catches your ear, and you hear Van Halen say, do not forget the face of your mother. Do not forget the face of your father. Uh, and Heather doesn't remember the face of her father or her mother. And she continues on to the cart uh, with the aim of reaching in to Lion. Is she, she going to be blocked by the guards? Um, if you want to roll a stealth here and you want to like kind of slip in between them to reach in there. Now, you obviously, it's not something that's going to, you know, be allowed to continue. But if you want to at least make it there, roll a stealth. Or sneak. God, where am I? Uh, one success. Uh, just as uh, a couple of the guards are laughing, kind of leading the, the horse of many colors as you're going through here, you're able to slip through and put your hand inside the cage within, you know, grasping dif uh, distance of the lion. What do you do? Lion. Lion, where are you going? What happened? He peeks from underneath his paw. Run, Heater, run. I'm coming for you, Lion. Don't worry. And be brave, okay? Be brave. Hey. 
and you feel a hand grasp the front of your shirt. And for a moment, you feel your toes kind of go off the ground as you're lifted by the fabric as you stare into the face of Chief Rugen. What the hell are you doing? Let go of me. I will not. Is this your friend? I know him. Don't you know him? That's not what I asked. Yes, he's my friend. But you're not. Let go of me. Someone, someone, this man, he's holding me. Someone make him a stop. As you're saying this and he's holding on to you and it's not a pleasant hold, it's it's rough. And it continues, he continues to kind of like re-grab some of the material between his fingers and, you know, jerks you around. And as you're saying that, everybody, hey, it's me. Look what I'm doing. Somebody stop me. Some people just walk by and they put their heads down as they go. Ricky, you and Van Halen are there now. You have not approached, though. I allow that. I'm not going to take away your agency. You may do whatever you'd like. Ricky looks to Van Halen, um, kind of for reassurance. If she doesn't look concerned about him running in, does she? If he starts to move forward, does she? Roll me an, and, like, yeah, I'm going to need you to roll me and empathize because the, the expression that's on Van Halen's face is one you have not seen before. Empathize. Let's go dump stats. Oh, one success. <laughs> okay, good. This is a good time for that dump stat to pay dividends here. As you look, um, you're not sure how you know this. Maybe it's because of the fact that you've been with Van Halen. She's been your confidant. You know how she acts. You know when she gets upset. You know, um, you know, especially since being in the age of always, she has constantly been contradictory to everything that's going. We shouldn't be here. We shouldn't be here. Gone is that expression. The expression on her face right now is something akin to if there is a flight or fight response, she is decidedly going towards the fight and you see her roll her shoulders and her hands clench into fists, Um, her eyes narrow, and she seems to only be aware of Heather and, of course, Randall and Lion in the cage. But she is zeroing in, and it does not look like she plans to discuss anything. Okay, in that case, where are where is um, Rugen situated? Is he on like a corner? Are him and Heather on a corner of the this cart? Um, the cart's in the middle of the street. It was heading uh, forward. The crowd kind of splitting in front of it. Uh, the the cart would be an open air cart, but has a box cage on top of it. Heather has rushed up to the side of it and kind of stuck her hands in between the tic-tac-toe of the cage bars, the touch lion. And while she was able to do that, Rugen, presumably in walking as a one of the guards along the side of the cart, turned, grabbed her and lifted her nearly off of her feet. He's holding her there now just along the side and the cart has stopped. Uh, Ricky is going to run in as fast as he can and shoulder charge into Rugen. His goal is to push him uh, past the side of the cart so that Heather's on the side of the cart and he pushes Rugen behind the cart, basically to push his arm into that back corner and separate him from Heather. 
My friends, go ahead and roll me a force as we are now going to enter into uh, the uh, seldom used combat, trouble combat in uh, Tales from the Loop. If you could let us nice, let us throw up. Let's go back to Paradise City number two. I think that fits a little bit since we're having some um, lovely fun here in Emerald City. Three successes. Um, this is born from military school. This is born from a year that Ricky was removed from his friends where Ricky and Chris hasn't described exactly in game what's gone on with Ricky. But um, if Heather is aware of this, if Randall sees this, though, he would have no point of reference, really. Um, anyone that would see this would not see a teenager charging an adult. They would see a warrior charging a warrior. And as Ricky comes in, Heather, you see him slip under the arm that's holding you. And he hits that soft area of the armpit and the flank with his full force of his shoulder, blasting Rugen against the side of the cage to the point where the entire thing rocks up nearly on two of its four wheels. It is a devastating hit as you see Rugen smash the wind, his, his kind of rancid salami-esque breath blasting out of his mouth into your face as you're that close. And he, as he gets just plastered against the side there, it is at that moment that the other four guards turn and begin to converge on the area, no longer entertained by Rugen, now realizing there is a genuine threat in their midst. And as the first one reaches for Ricky, he gets blasted along the side of the jaw by Van Halen, who steps forward and punches down on him as he this guy's head rocks to the side and sinks. I'm there's three successes there. You only needed two, so I'm giving Van Halen one as well. And um as they drop, Heather, you drop to the ground. And for a moment, a moment, surrounded by the city of Emerald and three active guards and two on the ground, one of which is Rugen, you know, trying to figure out where his air went. I'm going to give you all a second to do something. But think about it, because at this moment, through the crowd comes Scarlet and Casey. You would all see this situation of a prisoner cart being played out. Uh, Randall and Lion inside for Scarlet's benefit. Um, Chief Rugen, who Scarlet probably wouldn't recognize, crumpled on the ground, but two guards down, three around. What do you all want to do? And we're all going to do it together. Look when they come to go ahead, Heather. Oh, go ahead. Uh, well, when they come through the, the throng of people and then they see um, Scarlet freezes with purpose this time and jerks Casey to a, to a halt. There. They're in trouble. And she will point. Come on. All right. <laughs> he, come on. He, he follows. Will, okay, all right. <laughs> and she will run forward. He slowly follows after her. Okay, so we're going to say that, Scarlet, you're going to get there whenever everybody acts next, but we have an action for both Heather and Ricky that are in the middle of all of this. As Casey 
meanders up towards the, the, up towards the yeah sa- the crime that's up. happening <laughs> right um so what would uh heather and ricky like to do as the first round seems to have definitely gone ricky and van halen's way um but there is a city and there are three immediate guards who are standing up converging on you like oh my god you know the tree's down you know all this no, I don't want, I, I, no, you know what? No, I'm not. You don't like them at all. Uh, I don't want you to do that. So these guys come around and they start brandishing like sticks, you know, and like big like like nightclubs and stuff like, oh, fuck them up. You know, I mean, they're just complete assholes. So that's not give them any type of uh, personality. They don't care about Rugen. They want his job. They want to kill you all. They're terrible people. Have at them. <laughs> what would you all like to do? Um, I think Heather uh, is going to land um, uh, and I, you know, I think she lands into a crouch and she pauses there for a beat and then she lifts her head up uh, and uh, hollers at Ricky and says, we can't take out the whole guard, Ricky. Uh, But despite that, she uh, draws her vorpal blade. Um, and, uh, that escalated quickly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think her, her goal here is going to be to, um, hit them back so that they can escape. Uh, so she's going to, um, if there's, if there's three that are coming at them, um, she's going to swing at them, but with the flat of her blade, um, with the goal of running as soon as uh, there's a break. Gotcha. So I need you to roll me force, but as you pull forth the uh, the snicker snack of the Eldritch Blade as it comes forward and you flip it around so it's, you know, non-lethal side as you kind of swing like a, a batter taking a, going for, you know, a base hit. Um, go ahead and roll that. The energy is like lancing along the ebony metal of the blade, uh, giving pause to a few of these guards here as they realize that is definitely not what they signed up for. Certainly not signed up for the one that takes it along the side of the head who didn't pull up just in time <laughs> as the sword cracks him. And he does one of those two first where you hit him and then it's, his head hits the side of the cart. It's at that time that you realize it's a warmer day here in the age of always always perfect weather but again now it's when you notice that these outfits that they're wearing they're not that breathable and each of them seem to have been issued a helmet but each of those helmets are hanging from the cart not worn and it's at that terrible moment of irony that as this person get this guard gets hit along the side of the head and his head smashes into the cage he drops and slides down and his helmet breaks loose and hits him on top of the head as it clatters to the ground (laughs) As he's laying there, um, a reminder to always be safe, everybody, especially when you're a guard in Emerald City. Always uh, wear your PPE. That uniform was issued for a fucking reason. And that is now evident to this uh, person. Um, OK, so with that, Ricky, what do you do as you see Heather just, you know, like like, like the babe, take a shot and take this one guard out? Uh, how is Lion secured to this card? You said it's an open top card. How is Lion secured? Does Ricky... Has Ricky it's been an, able to ascertain that? Right. It's an like an open, imagine an open cart, which of course Ricky would be very familiar with working on the farm. But inside that open cart is a built box cage that has a top and has sides and has a back and a front. So it's almost like someone took a, a cage and dropped it into the back of an open cart. 
So um, the, okay. it's it's not a barred cage. It's a crisscross, like a tic-tac-toe type of cage. Okay. And it's a steel cage? And it looks like it's made out cage, of wood. It's, it's made steel? out of wood. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's okay. it's nice. It's not like it's, you know, has duct tape and, you know, branches or anything. It's a, you know, actually a constructed cage, but. Uh, Ricky, in that case, shouts across to Van Halen, breathe it, free lion. And he pulls up, pulls his bow off his back, grabs an arrow, and he's going to try and shoot one of the other guys in the knee. And that's I a, <laughs> right. I was a guard in Emerald City till I took an arrow in the knee. Right. So, all right. Throw me, uh, what do we, a force for you for this? Or also uh, move or move? Yeah. Go with um, the move. Oh, no successes. Uh, again, you can use luck. You can push. Uh, pushing will give you a condition, but. I used all my luck the last time. Um, let's push it, Greg. Sure. Nice. Two successes. And what condition would you like me to take? <laughs> you know what? I'll let you take anyone. If you want to do, uh, you're not injured, but scared or exhausted. I think you already have upset, right? Um, already got upset. Yeah. Yeah. So let's just do scared, but not scared, scared. This is adrenaline. This is just, you know, getting amped up and being able to take the shot again as you fire. Um, <laughs> this guy almost escaped without a debilitating handicap. But now he has uh, taken one to the knee with two successes, which is real bad so as he gets hit into the knee he's running around the corner just as uh ricky kind of fires down again non-lethal but i think if somebody had the option to pick the non-lethal heather attack over the non-lethal ricky attack i think they'd probably lean heather's side but anywho um as it hits his knee and digs in luckily the armor helps a bit and it doesn't like go up to the fletching or anything like that but it's definitely one of those like Ace Ventura moments where the guy has no clue what's happening. He takes one in the knee, his knee doesn't work anymore. And he looks down in confusion as he sees this quivering arrow sticking out of his knee and does what only anybody can do if you're shot in the knee. He just looks down and goes, oh, as he looks down and sees this thing sticking out of his knee. And then he just kind of goes off to the side, limping, dropping his uh, billy stick or billy club. It hits the ground. He's grabbing his knee there's one of them up and van halen jumps up onto the cage and begins to tear it apart as she cracks through one of the bars and cracks through one of the other bars as she is literally breaking this thing open scarlet there is one guard here this guard is definitely going to get to heather um is there anything that you would like to do from range um, I can't believe what I'm looking at. <laughs> hey, anything, is there anything you'd like to shoot at this person? <laughs> yeah, do you have any ranged attacks? You'd like Greg, to... could you describe me a non-lethal bullet? <laughs> right, right. No, would... that. Uh, mm, she, yeah, she's not gonna. She's not gonna draw her guns out uh, yet. Um, she's going to reach back because she has her backpack on and pull out her. Butts aluminum bat, not her butt, not her bat. And um as this guy is is um approaching her, she's just gonna she runs forward and she yells, Hey dick face. 
and then attention to get his attention and then she's going to throw the bat like she's throwing a fire axe <laughs> holy shit okay um yeah. roll me she's a- not close enough to use it in in melee <laughs> um okay do me let's see roll a charm first for the dick face just because i want that <laughs> One success. Okay. Uh, roll me a force as you throw. And I'm using my iconic item. You give me plus two. Mm-hmm. Three successes. <laughs> okay. So uh, why two rolls, Greg? Okay. Uh, the first roll was, hey, dick face, does he look? He did. Um, uh, hey, dick face. <laughs> Apparently he's That's been my called that name. before. Right. He looks, you know, that's Officer Dickface as he turns and as he turns and the just in time for the like the the business end of the fucking bat to come in and crack him right between the eyes. A perfect setup with three successes, four total successes for this little kind of extended trouble maneuver you've had here. Cracks him and he is out of the fight. He drops to the ground. Heather, you actually see him drop over your shoes. You hear this off-putting crack and then the body just kind of across the well he's still breathing he's not dead everybody but he boom across your feet um and for a moment all the guards are down there's definitely an audience around here now as people are starting to not interfere but they are definitely bearing witness to this attack on the guards and it is only at that time that a shrill whistle begins to kind of as Rugen has this long kind of slide whistle out that he is absolutely belting into. Um, A second later, you hear answers from various points of the city. Fuck. Casey, is there anything you want to do as you uh, saunter up to the area? Yeah, he saunters up to the scene of chaos uh, and he uh, closes the device and sort of lowers it back in, clearly having reached the destination. Um, and he just looks around at the scene of a violent ass kicking uh, and then to Chief Rugen and he says, whoa, whoa, there seems to be some sort of miscommunication happening here. What? Um, Scarlet, I assume these are your friends. Uh, also, Chief, what's what's what do we have here? Uh, uh, it looks like you got your ass kicked by kids, and that's embarrassing for everyone involved right now and watching. What's happening right now? Can Scarlet do something before? Oh, no, you just this is literally a second after you have thrown the bat and uh okay. destroyed one of the guards. Um, and everybody has acted here. The guard would have had his action. But at this point, the chief takes the whistle from he's still laying on the on his back. He takes the whistle away from his lips and looks over towards Casey. A look of confusion on his face. Um, but the whistles continue to blare, seemingly getting closer to this area as Van Halen does not stop. And she tears the rest of the cage open as Lion bounds out, seemingly not scared to the point where escape is something that can't be done. Um, Every fiber in his large body seems to want to flee, but instead he just backs up so he is literally back to back with Heather 
as he just kind of sits there and Heather, you can feel him shaking. Um, he keeps stepping on the unconscious person and you see his like long back claws, like digging into the guy's shoulder and stuff, but that's just for traction. It doesn't, he's not trying to be mean. Just, he's going to have interesting marks when he wakes up. Um, uh, Casey looks up and says, whoa, whoa, VH, chill. What is happening here? Uh, Van Halen tears the rest of the uh, cage open enough and slowly turns back around at the mention of her name from a foreign voice. And she turns and she squints her eyes. Mitch? Hi. She jumps down and runs across. And if you will allow it, she is going to wrap her arms around you. Yeah, he he hugs her right back. What are you doing? What happened? Where is everybody? I don't know what you're referring to. Everyone. Uh, yeah. Rob. What? She looks. Oh, oh, wait a minute. Shit. Okay. Oh. Uh, when is this? For you, when when is this? What she, what just happened? We just came here from Garrett. We New Year's Eve. It was We saw you. We saw the others. We You all went to the loop, I think. Okay. Uh, but you were, and she looks at you, and again, this is Van Halen not knowing how to say this without being mean. You look so old. Thank you. I am older, Ancient. given what. Hello, I'm. You just did crimes. Um, uh, I'm. I, I'm. I am older. Um, she says, "I don't care," and she hugs you again. Okay, um, and he like over her like curly hair. What is happening, Chief? I need answers. What's going on? Why? Why? Why are you getting your ass kicked? Why is there a lion? Scarlet looks down at him, at Rugen. He's looking over at Casey, and he. I mean, again, Rugen just got blasted. By Ricky, just absolutely. He's still having problems breathing, but the look of complete confusion doesn't speak of a concussion. It speaks of very similarly to what Casey just said. What in what the fuck is going on? As he's looking around, all of his men are taken out. Their 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 cage has been destroyed. Uh, he just has you. You can see that there's no point of reality in his eyes at this moment. It's either shock, stunned. Maybe he is concussed. He just seems incapable of answering in this particular moment. And hey, my name's that's what. And with that, my name's Casey. Everyone, if you could go to your Spotify playlist, but don't start playing track three just yet. Just get ready. Just get ready. The entire population watching this, they've stopped this and maybe couple hundred people that are around here, either looking in this direction or stopping to see what everyone's looking at. You know, if they don't have a good vantage point, they all turn and look towards the West down the end of this long main street as there are three dots that come into view. 
and swoop down and maybe 200 yards away light onto the cobblestones and bricks of Emerald City. Three figures emerge as everyone starts to cheer and they split. The crowd does like the Red Sea as these three figures come walking, striding, no, strutting. And in a mixture of rock stage, catwalk, and maybe gladiatorial pit, these three walking like reservoir dogs, you know, shoulder to shoulder, come into this street. And now, my friends, if you get ready to play track number three, the figure in the center screams out to Emerald City, give me a beat. Go ahead and play track number three for me. And as they walk, music begins to spin from somewhere in Emerald City, but enough where everyone can hear it. And for those of you whose characters are familiar enough with pop culture music of the 80s, would recognize the song of one Janet Jackson and Nasty being played throughout some unknown public address. As they step forward, you see, and Ricky, you would recognize right away, that the one in the center that yelled out, give me a beat, is Dot. And as she is striding forward, the kitty Eureka looking over her shoulder, she takes her broom and kind of slides it into the area just in front of Eureka. That's bristles kind of over her shoulder, not dissimilarly to the way Heather wields the, um, uh, this, or wears the sword whenever she's walking around with it. Flanked to either side, and let's start with to her right. On her right, there is a, uh, again, ages range from anywhere from 17 to 20. Um, this includes Dot. You see a brown-haired girl who, whose hair is braided and set into a loose ponytail that hangs down her back. Um, she has a leather vest on. And it is embossed with different symbols, a couple of them that kind of stand out. The largest of the ones, you can see what looks like a winged fairy and a sword and a thimble and a compass. And this dark leather goes down into a bright white skirt that looks like it probably was something else at another time, uh, maybe even a nightgown. And atop her head is perched a leather tricorn pirate's hat. And down one side of her face is the wave tattoos that many pirates would take after successfully navigating different and new seas. As Wendy Darling walks beside Dorothy Gale. And on the left side of Dorothy is a very interesting looking figure that is wearing what looks to be a wedding dress that is trained behind by 20 feet. And as this blonde haired girl is walking, it is her hair shaved on both sides and the top is braided and pulled high down the top of her head. And as she's walking, she begins to grow one foot, two feet, five feet until she's 25 feet tall. And everyone cheers as they see. And she, in turn, puts her broom, now little more than a handbrush, 
and puts it kind of slung over her shoulder, but in a pocket on the back of this long wedding dress-esque element. And as they walk forward, Dorothy moves up, passing everyone. They stop only to nod and respect towards Casey. And as she's walking forward, Heather, you feel a hand reach out from the cart and it's flag. She glances back. What? What? I remember. I never should have left. I, I should have stayed in service of the queen. I, I need you to remember. I tried to make you in, in the perennial. I couldn't. I, you have to remember. You have to. You have to remember the face of your father. And with that, Dorothy walks up. And Heather, you feel her hand on your shoulder. And do you take your eyes away from Randall? She's just walking up. She's walking up and she just placed her hand on your shoulder. I think Heather looks at Flag with confusion. And then as something, someone else touches her shoulder, she looks to see who it is. And you see someone that you've never met before, but whose face is oddly familiar, at least to somebody who has read the stories. Somebody that has in their own mind pictured what Dorothy Gale is supposed to look like. And whatever picture Heather had conjured in her mind as to what the heroine, how she would have appeared in the, her various exploits and adventures in the wonderful world of Oz. This is what you see, this person you've never met yet is so familiar. And she looks at you and smiles. Have you felt the magic? I think uh, Heather's looking at her with the kind of starry eyes that anyone would have for, you know, a celebrity. Uh, and she uh, at first is confused and then she says, oh, uh, yes, the, the magic. Yes. How did you know? She looks over her shoulder. And Alice and Wendy look back and they both smile and nod, seemingly to have heard that question that came from Heather. And they nod again towards Heather, again, deferring to Casey to nod before they nod to Heather. And Dorothy looks back and says, And the age of always will honor and anoint one for each way a mortal can point. We are the witches three, but there must always be four. And she turns to Casey. Wizard, what do we do? And that, my friends, is where we will end no. this session. No! <laughs> da -da 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 -da. Welcome to Oz. Oh, I love it. I love it. It's so awesome. Oh my gosh. Oh my uh, gosh. I just want to hate it, but I can't. Yeah. <laughs>
Atari Twilight is an Unmade Gaming production and a proud member of the Unmade Gaming Podcast Network. If you'd like to support our endeavors and get some behind-the-scenes looks at upcoming projects, please join us on Patreon at patreon.com slash unmadegaming. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please take a minute to give us a five-star rating and review on iTunes. Thank you for joining us on this blast from the past, and we'll see you next time on Atari Twilight. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo, and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.